my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. And thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this sit down, I'm joined by a fellow streamer, uh, Manu Samo representative, and currently applying his trade for Moana Pacifica in Super Rugby Pacific, that being the Brass Tamasi Alosil. First of all, bro, appreciate your time and how are? Yeah, nah, thanks for having me, bro. Um, yeah, all is well, man. And, you know, just uh, slowly settling up into the big smoke up here in Auckland and Obviously, the season's kicked off, so I appreciate you for having me on board, bro. Humble as always. Um, you mentioned the big shift up to Auckland, and I thought I'd also throw in there. How's the head? Obviously, everybody <laughs> who, who watched that game saw the yeah. So you cop all of Caleb Clark's brute force, bro. So can you give yeah. us an update there, and then yeah, touch on life in the big smoke. Yeah. Oh, bro, I'm um, doing better each day. You know, I um, have gotten over my symptoms now. Um, yeah, going going back to that game, just yeah, just one of those accidents that happen, and you know, happened to be one of the biggest, you know, biggest wingers in, in New Zealand rugby, and a powerful one too. So yeah, it's just just one of those accidents that happen, and I was just very unfortunate to be on the other end of it. But now doing doing better now, and just um trying to get through this week to to hopefully be back out on the field in, in the weekend. Touch on the Auckland life as well, yeah, bro. Um, took us a while to find our feet. You know, I, I relocated up here with my girls and yeah, we settled in pretty slowly, but now we're we're all quite settled now up here. The girls are in school and my partner's you know, still working here and, and I'm I'm able to, you know, do what we came up um what we came up here to do. So um yeah, settled in now and all is all is good. Nice. Whereabouts you staying? Um we're in Renwick Park, bro, so South Auckland. The rough side up here in Auckland, but <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, the must I can remember back to my time when I lived in Auckland. I lived more centrally, and then even out eastways. When the biggest yeah. thing for me was just the motorways, eh, and the traffic. Yeah. Well, I, thought, I thought Wellington oh, yeah. traffic in the morning was bad, but it's nothing yeah. on the Aucklanders. Nah, man, just yeah, traffic's here is so busy. Eh? You just kind of have to be very well prepared and plan ahead. That's what we've had to get used to up here. It's not like back in Wellington where traffic's pretty easy, always flowing. Mm. In Auckland, it's just real big city, really busy on the roads. So, yeah. Bro, 100. Talking about prep, bro. In regards yeah. to your season, uh, that being with Moana Pacifica, wasn't yeah. the best start for you boys in terms of all the yeah. stuff that went down with COVID? You had to delay yeah. the games and now you're having to play the midweek games, which, you know, as we've yeah. seen with the physicality um, of the battles, like that can't be easy. They're only having like three or four days turn around and then another five till the next game. And then even going back to last year, there was a lot of stuff from the administrative side around not getting the license up until the end of last year. So the squad was only really put together before Christmas. But in light of all of that, you guys have been really, really competitive from the get-go. I mean, that first game against the Crusaders, you were in it for probably 60 minutes and then maybe the fatigue or the undercookedness started to take shape. And then, you know, you yeah. obviously took the scalp of the Hurricanes, winning that one in a thriller. Yeah. And then even this past weekend, yeah. the boys were up for it. What were they? They were down to 13 men for a lot yeah. of that game. And it was yeah. only the last 10 minutes that the Highlanders kicked on and got their first yeah. one. So how yeah. have you boys been able to stay calm in the chaos? Yeah, um, yeah. We spoke about as a group, like you know, we've we've done it like you no know, other teams have done it before. Obviously, we're 
very disrupted with COVID heading down to Queenstown. Uh, we were the first group to get it. And then when we came out of our isolation period, other teams obviously started getting it as to why we're having these storm week, these back-to-back storm weeks now. But I think as a group, we're, we're really proud of where we're at the moment, being competitive and being able to compete in games. You know, probably one or two of those games we, we probably could have won, you know, um, other than the Hurricanes game. And um, we're really proud of where we are as a team and how we've built to this moment. And I think just all our off-field connection and, and our culture as a team is uh, really built, you know, that resilience, if, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, you know, for for us just to bounce back from tough moments. And, um, you know, we, we speak about, um, as Pacific Islanders, um, you know, we know what it's like to have nothing. So when we get that opportunity, we really embrace it. Uh, we, you know, take it with both hands and uh, it's, we just go out there and play like it's, it's our last opportunity, really. So we're really proud of where we are as a group. And, um, you know, moving forward, we hope we can um, continue to compete. And then obviously coming out of the storm week, we go into the Super Rugby Pacific Comp and hopefully we can um, upset a few Aussie sides to make that quarterfinal. Bro, no doubt. And yeah. I mean, th- that was going to be my follow-up question, bro. You touched on the fact that all you boys being of Pacifica or Maori descent, you know, yeah. like you, you come from backgrounds which aren't as affluent as maybe your Pākehā or other cultures within New Zealand. And yeah, yeah I guess that sort of resonates with, with this question, bro. What does playing yeah. for your culture and representing it on a week-to-week basis mean to you? Yeah, oh, it's special. Like, obviously, um, a Pacifica-based team, um, like no other, you know, there's probably no other team um, around the world like ours where it's made up um, for the Pacifica. And it's just so special to be a part of. From day one, you just, you felt like you just belonged to the right group and you got a sense of belonging right from the from the get-go. And it's just been awesome. Like, you know, they spoke about 26 years in the making mm. and those who paved the way for us, um, you know, we, we stand on shoulders of giants now. Um, so, you know, the likes of Sir BG, uh, Sir Michael Jones, who have put in a lot of hard work and, and everyone else behind the scene that's put in a lot of hard work to make, you know, this team possible. Absolutely. I mean, I, I saw them after that Hurricanes game when you guys came together as, as a massive group and, you know, I yes. just saw both their smiles, you know, just massive grin ear to ear. I mean, yeah, again, I mean, you've touched on it, the fact that it, you guys are a team unlike anything else. And I know that you've represented the Manu Samoa uh, at sevens and at fifteens, which we'll get to later yeah. in the podcast, but, was there much of a resemblance between these two teams? And how have you, you know, especially with someone like Aaron Major, you know, he's he's park here yeah. and he's bought into yeah. the Pacifica culture. How was this environment that you're currently in differed from, you know, I don't know, playing at Huddle Boys or playing for the Wellington Lions or, you know, whatever other teams you've been around? How does the culture shift, you know, the the objective for the year and like how does it bring the boys together? Yeah, we spoke about in preseason, you know, just Going back to our ancestors, you know, where our parents came from, uh, lots of them were born in the islands, you know, where they had really rough upbringings. And then they obviously migrate here or even some boys were were born on the islands and they know what it's like to have nothing, really rough upbringings. And then, you know, we they migrate here to New Zealand just to get the opportunity Mm. um, or to be given more opportunities, sorry, obviously for us in this group rugby was a pathway to being successful in life and being able to look after our families you know putting bread and butter on the table a roof over our kids heads and um you know we just go back to honor those who have gone before us like uh if it wasn't for um our people back on the islands 
who worked um, so hard through the, the tough times. We wouldn't be here today being in a professional environment. So we just really spoke about giving back to our, our families, our countries, you know, the Samoas, Tongans, Fijians, and then uh, also with Azza, just a really, you know, he's got um, a bit of Cook Island in him and just a really proud um, Pacifica man himself. You know, he obviously represented the All Blacks, but he's really proud of his culture and he goes back to how the way he was raised too by his parents and, and the opportunities he got. So that really resonated with us as a group and it's just really brought us together. A special group yeah. and a special campaign yeah. indeed, bro. Speaking of roots though, you know, you had to yeah. have started somewhere with your own journey. So can you take us yeah. back to a young Tamasi and how he got onto footy and where he grew up? Yeah, bro. Um, so I started playing at five when I was five, like, you know, most, most Kiwis do. And, you know, everyone has a dream of, of being an All Black and you're in front of the TV every Saturday night doing the haka with the All Blacks growing up as a young kid. And we're actually born and raised in um, Porua. And my first junior rugby club was Tawa Rugby Club. And mm -hmm. then we moved over to Upper Hutt where um, I played for Upper Hutt Junior Rugby Club. And then um, from there, went primary school into college, St. Patrick's College, Silver Stream. A very proud stream boy. Oh, man, I, I probably had the best memories or had the most fun when I was in college. And that's probably where I had that spark in me to try and carry on and try and get a profession, uh, make a profession out of uh, rugby. And then, um, yeah, out of college, um, into club rugby with the uh, Huddle Boys Marist. And then, uh, and then done Manusamo 7s. I uh, recently done Manusamo 15s. And yeah, um, now with Manapasvika. And with a lot more yeah. to come, no doubt, bro. And you touch on yeah. attending the best school, not only in yeah. Wellington, but in the country, St. Yeah. Pat's Stream. Yeah, yeah. For life. Yeah. Playing in that first 15, and even just attending that school, how did that yeah. shape you and put you on the path to where you are now? Like, was it always stream? Or yeah. was it touch and go for a bit? No, nah, it was always stream. So, um, you know, being um, a strong Catholic, my parents only took us to... To Catholic schools, so right throughout, um, from when we were young up into college, obviously, just um, my parents always wanted us at Catholic schools, and um, yeah, stream. Oh, I love stream. Just, just the, the brotherhood we had there. I guess it's kind of a undescribable feeling. Like you show up, you have your mates, and you have rank squad rugby. You know, and that's, uh, you know, that that gets like real serious and. You know, that's where you can just razzle and you have the year nines playing against the first 15 boys and the first 15 boys, you know, they don't care. And you just get a real sense of pride and you're real, real proud from that school. Yeah, my, my first 15 years too, like I loved it. The traditionals were the best, you know, warming up in the rank squad. We'll walk down into a tunnel, big as tunnel leading onto the field and doing the haka. So, yeah, no, I, I love my stream days and I'd, I'd go back and do it again and again and again. Well, 100%, me too. And you yeah. touch on while you were at school, that's where you, you know, you got an inkling like, hey, you know, I'm not too bad at this rugby thing and it'd be awesome yeah. if I could pursue it as a career. So what yeah. were your movements for when you left? Like, did you go straight into the Wellington Rugby Academy? Can you talk us through that? Yep, yep, yep. So um, I'd done... Uh, New Zealand under 17 and hurricane schools um, while I was at stream and then I was um, I was unfortunate I, I missed out on New Zealand schools uh, both years that, that I tried to go for it and then straight out of school I went into the Wellington Academy system and then um, from there obviously the pathway you you go into lines and 
and then hopefully higher honours. But yeah, the, the pathway, I think the pathway from college into professional rugby or, or around the you know around the country is, is world class, especially in the big provinces like Wellington, where they're able to you know lock in players and and just offer contracts. And not only that, they also offer support um, outside of rugby. So when I was in the Wellington Academy system, they paid for my studies, and you know they just really give you real good choices at footy. And then obviously they're big on on what you're gonna do in your life after rugby. So that was an awesome pathway to go through. And then yeah, from there, um, Wellington Lions, and then uh, and then onto the Manusamo Sevens. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I see here having done my homework on you, bro. You were part of the Huddle Boys side that won the Jubilee Cup in 2014. Um, yeah, yeah. And then you might have got a bit of a taste with the Lions, and then, yeah, yeah like yeah. W- what did that exposure to that level of rugby at that age do yeah. for you to accelerate um, where you are now? Yeah, I think um, club rugby is massive, eh? and like if if you perform really well at your club, you're obviously exposed to to big opportunities. And then from um from Huddle Boys, I, I went into the Wellington Lions, and that really just helped me like kick kick my career you know onwards there was there was probably one time in my career I was in a very dark space and I wasn't really enjoying my footy and then um I just really worked hard to to get a good club season in and I was very fortunate enough to to make the lines and then from there just really kind of um you know lit that spark in, inside of me just to keep kicking on and and really pushing for higher honors I could say yeah uh, like Heaps of kids make it straight out of school, and I was—I probably didn't make it. I didn't make it till like five years later. So I was in between from when I was eighteen to twenty-three. I was like still stuffing around a bit, and you know, just wasn't in the right headspace at times, and just uh, I probably wasn't you know mature enough to make good choices. And then yeah, well, it wasn't till um I just reflected one point and just you know thought to myself, you know, I, I can make a living out of this. I had kids at the time too, so they're really a big motivation for me to really kick on with my career and hoping I can provide the best for them, which was um, a really big help. Yeah, it's a real ugly period when you leave school for a lot of guys because, you know, yeah. as, as you probably know, like you're 18, you're in an yeah. academy, you know, you probably dominated at school and you think that the transition's just going to be quick. I'm, 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 yeah. just, all, I'm, I'm all just paraphrasing here. This is, I have no yeah. relatability yeah. to this, bro, because no, I'm just a club battle. Having, yeah. having talked to some of the boys who had gone through the grades, you know, who, who've got to the level that you have playing Super Rugby, they talk about that time when they were in an academy being the hardest because you have some pretty good resources at your disposal, yeah. but you're yeah. not in a position to where you can focus solely on rugby because you're not getting paid to do it. And yeah. then you couple that in at the same time, you know, you know yeah. you're young and dumb, all your boys yeah. are going out drinking, all the other sorts yeah. of distractions that are way more attractive as a youngster. And it's almost evil or, yeah, I guess evil is the right word, that it's not until you probably get to a point where it's like the, the boat's almost gone that you realize, oh, if I just sucked it up and been a bit more disciplined here and there, yeah. maybe things would have turned out more differently. And thankfully yeah. for you, they did, bro. So... I mean, not to delve into that rough period, yeah. but yeah, how can yeah. you talk us through obviously leaving school, being a part of the academy, and then to the point where you crack the Wellington Lions, and then you get your opportunity with the Samoan Sevens team, where you know you're making your debut over in Hong Kong. Yeah, um, yeah, and no, like you said, just I was one of those guys that yeah, I, I could have gone either one way or the other. Like 
I was young and dumb, like you said, just made bad choices. And yeah, it wasn't until I was 23 where I, I started my professional rugby career. And that's probably like a late bloomer, if you'd like to say. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys are straight out of college into professional rugby, you know, and they, they can carry their, you know, their, the form they had in college right through to club rugby. And then they get promoted really, you know, they get promoted really quickly into, into professional sport. But I think... Um, to be honest, for me, was having kids young really, really helped me. Like I, when when I had um, kids at a young age, I, I was finding it really tough to juggle up um, life for the obviously kids, and then trying to make money, like working, and you know I, I had to provide for them. And then I just really I was, and I was like, oh, one point I was like, hang on, if I just work hard for one off season and dive into just really working hard during the season to get the best out of myself, then, you know, I'll, I'll be able to get into that professional sport where I want to be to help provide for my kids. And, you know, I, I just really worked hard um, in the off season. I was offered opportunities to go to Samoa in the, the Maris Sevens tournament for Wainui, which was probably where it all started. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. So Wale Mai and, and Greg Lelofi, yeah, lads, you've played with um they gave me the opportunity to go and even then I was like, Oh, nah, I'm I'm not too keen to be honest. Like I, I just didn't know at the time. But then, you know, something inside of me is just like, nah, go, go, um, you know, this is probably your last opportunity you're gonna have a crack at at um professional rugby. And, you know, they spoke about me to going over to that marriage tournament and then potentially having a crack at the Samoa Sevens if I played well enough. And yeah, um, from that's where it pretty much kicked off from was playing for Wainui in, in Samoa Seven and the Maris Samoa Sevens and you know the rest is history and I'm I'm glad to be where I am now. Yeah, bro, unreal. Okay, talk us through that. You go Samoa, you carve up, and then what is it? Who's the coach at the time, and how do you yeah. find out that they want you to stick around and then get you over to Hong Kong? Yeah, so um, so the coach at the time was uh Dicky. Um, Dickie Fuimono. So he was, um, he had coached Samoa in the World Series before, uh, when they won back in 0910. I think him and Stephen Beatham were the coaches um, leading up to that that team that won the World Series. And that's the only World Series Samoa's won. And then, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be asked by Dickie to stay back in camp with Greg Lelofi. So they asked us to stay back for camp. And then, uh, yeah, from there, we just in training camp. We're very tough, you know, as you know, seven's tough sport and you've got to be very well conditioned to perform at a high level in the World Series. And then um, from that training camp, we had our trials and then I was uh, fortunate enough to be selected for the, the Hong Kong and uh, Tokyo sevens at the time. It was Tokyo at the time. And then, yeah, I made, I made my debut in, in Hong Kong, which was, um, it was awesome, man, just being part of the Samoa sevens in Hong Kong. You know, that's, that's the capital of sevens. You know, everyone's there and it's just such a good atmosphere. And it's a three-day tournament. We play Friday night, which is our first game. And then you play Saturday, Sunday. And um, yeah, that was an unreal experience. And I'd, I'd love to experience that um, that moment over and over again. Yeah. So, you know, you go into it, like you said, as a bit of a late bloomer. Yep. You find yourself in Hong Kong. At what point in your head, you know, like obviously it's one thing to get the foot in the door and to make your debut and, you know, you had to celebrate that, but it's another thing to kick on and then make sure that you stay as part of that environment. So can you, can you talk us, was there any mindset change? Like once you'd actually got over there, got your taste, you're like, man, that was awesome. Yeah. I want more. Yeah, no, nah, that, that, that's what it is. Like what you just said, it was, um, it's all your mindset. Eh? 
like if, if you change your mindset then you can achieve you can achieve anything you put your mind to and when I'd been selected for that like I was the fittest you know I've ever been you know just being in a professional environment you kind of rewarded for with the with the travel you know the places you stay and and the food that you're given you know just to perform at that high level um and that was it was just my mindset was just to keep going and just you know keep pursuing my dream of being a, a footy rig, uh, professional rugby player sorry I know I'm, I'm massive on like hard rig beats talent and I'm probably like not the most um talented you know person in, in in a room full of rugby players but my mindset is to always be the most hard uh the hardest working person in the room and and that's the mindset that I go out with now like I, I want to be the most hardest working person you know when we're wearing gps's I want my meters right up there you know, top speed when we do um testing I want to be right at the front you know, winning those tests or at the front with, with the other boys. So yeah, it's just about your mindset, really. And if you have a positive, really growth mindset, then I, I guess you can just go a long way in your career. Yeah, bro. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. in terms of like pushing yourself and getting yourself into good nick and, you know, having that mindset of being the hardest working player out there, yeah. when Gordon Titchens rolls around and he takes over yeah. the coaching, I mean, yeah. he's, it's pretty legendary, not only his success, but also his pretty grueling training sessions so what did you learn in your time under titch like how did you develop even more as professional i know like he's real big on like diets like around like boys not having stuff like red meat making sure that like um your piss is clear like you've got to be you know properly hydrated all those sorts of things so did you find that once he got on board and got involved that things you know took another step up yeah now perfect subject to um, touch on while we speak of titch was um biggest thing I learned from Titch was just mental toughness eh? he just takes he pushes you every training like he just gets so much joy of seeing guys almost broken on the field like he almost wants you crawling off that field and that's when Titch is satisfied and um it was just next level of Titch and you just had to be uh, mentally tough to get through his sessions obviously really big on his nutrition with the red meat stuff you only allowed um red meat at the start of the week Monday Tuesday and then three days leading into the tournament, it's all white meat, so chicken, fish, salmon, which was something, you know, it was tough to do, but then we saw the benefits of it when we perform. And then um, obviously we'll get our hydration tested every morning. So you always had to be pretty well hydrated overnight, even if it meant that you jump out of your bed three times a night just to piss. We were always pretty scared to fail the hydration test because there was always a pretty grueling um, punishment. If you're in the yellows or reds, what they, you know, what, uh, how they measure it. Mm-hmm. So we always wanted to be in the greens with our hydration test. Otherwise you'll be out there doing 16 150s, which was pretty crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, I learned a lot from Titch and I think personally, I, I could, I took my game to the next level under Titch, just building that um, mental toughness, that resilience and just how fit he, he got me as, as a player. It was, it was awesome. You know, when you're when you're fit, you're just able to do so much more and just repeat those efforts mm. rather than um, having one good burst and then it takes you a while to recover. It was, it was just so cool to just repeat efforts and yeah, and nah, Titch was awesome for me. Yeah, <laughs> I've read a couple of guys' books. You know, fellas like Eric Rush, Jonah, Christian, yeah. and all of them had chapters on when they were caught up with the New Zealand Sevens when he was coaching them, and they yeah. talked about how 
everyone thinks they know what their level is or know what yeah. their breaking point is and Titch yeah. would just push all of them to break through it yeah and you yeah. know they said that there was just for the life of them you know everything was saying yeah. no 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 but they knew yeah. that if they pulled out that it was going to yeah. be even worse so yeah, yeah i mean a, a legendary figure yeah. and no doubt a guy that yeah i mean he, he's pretty much the sevens coach um yeah. of all time yeah. oh, man, but, unreal. Along with the challenges that you would have had on the training paddock and you know yeah. having to fix up your diet and your hydration, another thing that comes with being a professional sevens player is the travel and being yeah. away from family. Yeah. You touched on the fact that a big part of you getting to where you are was the motivation to provide for your kids and yeah. make sure that they had everything that they wanted in life. So mm. how difficult was that adjustment? Can you remember when you first made it and then being like, yeah. oh, actually this is awesome. This is what I wanted, but now I'm going to be away yep. from my kids and my wife or my partner for X amount of time. And then as yep. you got on, cause I mean, you're with the team pretty much at every yeah. tournament for the next five years. Like how much yep. of an adjustment was that for you? And how has that flipped your perspective on, you know, like family time and actually making sure that you're present yep. with them? Yeah, it was mess. Like to start with, we just couldn't get it right as a family. Like it was, it was so tough, but I, I was so lucky that my partner, Michaela, was just so supportive. I was real lucky to have the support of um, my parents and, and her parents and her family back in Wellington, just the support and really pushing me to, you know, keep living my dream. It was real tough to start with. And then as as you said, um, I went on to do it for another five, yeah, five years, six seasons, and we slowly got used to, to, to how it, you know how the World Series is structured, obviously our preseason starts in September, October, and then we're we're going right through till about June or July. Sometimes like years of the Commonwealth Games or the World Cup. So it was a massive season, and I think the hard thing about it too was we were based in Samoa for our training camps. So um, yeah, we'll be in during the season. We'll be like four weeks, four to five weeks away, and then we only get one week at home. And then we're back into training for a two-week training camp, travel for two weeks, and then it takes us like half a week to travel back into New Zealand, depending what country you're in. Mm. And then sometimes um, some pre-seasons we're away for a long time. I think the longest we're away for was probably like nine weeks, which was pretty tough um, before we saw our families again. But I guess with um, that time being away and it just made my time at home just, you know, that much more precious with my family. Like, oh, I'll just be you know, switch off from rugby, just have a full week of um being a full-time dad and, you know, getting bossed around to do the chores by Michaela. <laughs> but, and, and with that too, it's just probably made, you know, our family and our relationship as between me and Michaela and between me and my girls um just grow stronger just because I was having to be away so much. So every time that we got together in our time off, we just really valued that time together and just the support they showed me right throughout that, the six seasons I had in, in the seven circuit was, you know, just really helped us grow us as a family. Um, you know, our love is a family stronger too, which was awesome. Mm, it's probably, again, one of the things I like to highlight, you know, when I chat to boys like yourself is that yeah. it's not only you making the sacrifices, it's a yeah. lot of other individuals. You know, I, yeah. I love, what is it, the saying that it's, you know, a, an individual isn't brought up by themselves, you know, it takes a village. Yeah, um, and just especially more so for, for you sevens boys, you know, being yeah. across the globe every yeah. other week. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how hard that must be, you know, when you've got little ones back at home. Um, yeah. Looking on the brighter side of things, I guess for yourself, 
the travel. Yeah. How has that yeah. changed, you know, your outlook? Because that's, I guess that's the beauty of, you know, playing a sport professionally in, in the shortened yeah. format is that you get exposure to all these different cultures and no yeah. doubt, you know, you go on little ticky tours between or at the end of tournaments, depending on where you got to get to next. Um, yeah. So do you have a favorite destination that you were able to check out and that you always looked forward to, you know, over the course of your time on the World Series? Yeah, my favorite spot was um, Vancouver. That was an awesome spot, eh? just a beautiful city. We were like right in the heart of Vancouver. So we had like lots of things to do around there. Um, and the people, like, you know, people were very important to me. The people were awesome. There are such nice people. Um, and, you know, kind of reminded me of back home in Wellington too. And the stadium we played in, you know, obviously a covered roof stadium with a nice um, big screen in the middle. Yeah, that, that was always um, the spot I, I enjoyed um, going to. And um, I think on top of that, I was I had a few of Michaela's, um, her favourite makeup stores there. So, <laughs> so um, yes, on our days off, I'll be busy running around um, doing shopping for her. But yeah, lucky I'm said the travel was awesome. Like, you know, that was probably the most rewarding part of being on the seventh circuit. You know, you, you work so hard and then you travel to some amazing countries you're doing you know, about 10 to 12 countries over six, seven months. And um, I think um, for me personally too, um, like travel really helped my growth as a, a person, being able to connect with different cultures and, you know, how different cultures do certain things. And then I guess I was able to, you know, kind of take that home and I was like, oh, you know, I've just connected with, you know, um like if I was in Hong Kong or Japan I've I go back and you know see people at home and I was like I'm able to speak to them about you know their home country mm. and I just really feel connected in that way you know I'm wherever in the states or or France and in London and you know you see people back home when you come home and then you're just able to connect with them just through me traveling there and then you know I say where you're from and they tell me and I'm like, oh we're in you know, there and this, and then you just all of a sudden you're connected to them. And, and to this day, I'm still connected, you know, to people just through having that conversation, which I thought just really helped my growth as a person. And that, yeah, that was awesome. It was an experience that I'll, I'd love to do again. 100, bro. It's something that I need to get on to once the world opens back up. Um, I haven't got around to doing my OE, but yeah, I've, I've heard about how it how it changes people, not only from the sightseeing yeah. perspective, but you, like you said, yeah. that connectivity and you just being a great yeah. human being um, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, as good as, you know, the times were, you know, playing sevens, as I mentioned just before around the pandemic and not being able to travel, that yeah. brought, you know, the world to a standstill. Uh, and yep. along with that, the sport, which yep. meant there were no sevens. So yep. where were you at? I mean, obviously you were aware of like, oh, this isn't good. You know, you're probably yep. at home doing your own yep. training, but you know, yep. that was your livelihood playing yep. rugby professionally. So what sort of spanner did that throw into the works for you and looking after your family? And then, you know, what, what was sort of the plan from there? Yeah, yeah um, to be honest, like that was probably... Like recently, that was a real uncertain time for me. You know, I only had sevens at the time. I had no NPC or anything. So um, obviously COVID hit and then the whole series got put on hold. So I was like, oh, so what would I go back and do? And I'm very fortunate enough that 
I, I work at a primary school in, in Wellington as a teacher aide. So, you know, I have, I have a real good um, boss there, principal there looks after me very well. And and I was able to go back and, and work at the school for a bit. And on top of that was, um, I'm also a F45 coach at the Apart Studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was able to do do that too. And then, um, and then I was playing club rugby. Obviously, we played against each other and... I, I still remember you tackling me right around the ankles and I was like, oh, you remember that? I, I remember winning, bro. That's I, I, Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, um, it, was, it was our scrum, man. I think it was probably like five minutes ago. And then I we done just a simple one-two cut. And then, um, and then obviously, I think I got past your seven. And then I see you coming across. And you clipped me right around the ankles. I was like, shucks. Bro, then I, was, I thought I was in, but bro, that, that was awesome. And then, yeah, I played club rugby for a bit. And then, um, and then I was off the Lions training that 2020 year. Mm-hmm. And then I got the opportunity to go to Bermuda for the World 10 Series. It was the first ever World 10 Series they had. So that was pretty cool to be able to travel again. And then from there, I was, I was pretty lucky to be named in that first Mono Pacifica side that played um, the Māori All Blacks, which was cool, and but I didn't, so I was named part of the 26-man squad, but didn't get named in the 23-man squad, and then um, 2021 came around, there was still no uh, World Sevens, and then again, I was um, in very uncertain times, and then I had to go just keep working hard and go back to, to school, work at school, um, on top of that, had F45, but in the back of my mind, I I was real positive. I had a real positive mindset. Like my mindset at that time was just to stay ready, be ready. You know, there might be an opportunity that comes, and I don't want to take an opportunity where I'm on the back foot. I want to mm. go and just really make the most of that opportunity because I was, you know, I was getting older. I was nearly hitting my thirties. And I was like, any opportunity that comes, really take it, embrace it, and try and make the most of it, and hopefully make a living, leave it, living out of it. And then play club rugby, and then um, I was real lucky to get a call from Selalama Pasua last year, um, 2021, and this is this was playing club rugby, bro, and that was probably one of um, you know, I've had many phone calls from coaches, and like that, that was special for me, eh, like. I remember that phone call for a lifetime just because I was a club rugby player. I had played no NPC the year before. And, um, you know, after I got off the phone of Mups, I was just like, you know, why why me? I'm only playing club rugby and he's he's trusting me to go and play international footy, trying to get a, a World Cup. You know, we, we're trying to qualify for the World Cup. And then I swear after that, um. That phone call, I just sat in my car and I cried and I prayed. Eh? Like I just prayed and I, I thank God. I was just so thankful. And you know, the first um, that was, that was the first thing I done when I got off the phone with Mops. I just cried in, in my car, prayed and thank God. And I was just like, you know, all, all this hard work has paid off. Like I, I worked worked hard over the preseason, right then up until um, I think it was May. And then playing club footy, and then I was like, "Oh, all this hard work has paid off. I'm, I'm ready." And, and then I went into that campaign with a, you know, real positive mindset because I had done all the hard work before. So that was, um, that was very special. And then getting to debut last year for the Monsamo Fifteens was was awesome, and also getting a, a, a World Cup spot. Yeah, bro. What is it? What's the saying? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And again, yeah, yeah, like you bro. said, the. Yep. Even in uncertain times, 
yeah. you know, you, you kept a level head. You didn't get too yeah. ahead of yourself, but yeah, you made yeah. sure that should an opportunity present itself that you weren't going to be caught behind the eight ball and that you yeah. make sure that at least you were physically ready yeah. for the challenge. But, and, yeah. and you talk about how emotional it was when you received that phone call and, and all the events that happened afterwards, but getting into yeah. camp with that Samoan team and then yeah. getting to play against the Māori All Blacks and then Tonga, yeah. what, I mean, was that much of a step up? Did it differ from your time with the Samoan Sevens team? Because, I mean, it, it's no secret to anybody that follows rugby, um, you know, some of the struggles that come with playing for the Pacifica Nations um, in terms yep. of the resources in comparison to, you know, what a lot of boys who even playing for the Lions get. Yep. So even being in camp for such a short period and then having the responsibility of helping get your country to the World Cup, yep. you know, talk us through that. Yeah, like, obviously, as you said, like, with Pacific Nations, we just lack a lot of resources, but we're very lucky, um, you know, this time around, this time last year, Mups had really got a good coaching group together. He knew what he wanted. You know, he ch- chose to be based here in New Zealand and he just trusted in the group that he got together. You know, we were made up of club rugby players like myself, just NPC boys and then a few super rugby boys. And then we are joined by the likes of um, RC Tuala and some of those boys who have been playing, you know, over in the European Championship, who really added, added value to our team and just needed that leadership to guide this new group together. But Mups was able to just, you know, get a real good coaching group together and he was able to get us good uh, facilities around New Zealand to train in, which really helped us as a group to really perform the way we did last year. And, um, yeah, that was real special, just being part of the group and getting to play the Māori ABs to help us prepare for the World Cup qualify against Tonga. I think that was the best preparation we could ask for. Like, I think we were offered uh, an opportunity to play the All Blacks, but Mups knew, um, you know, probably at that time wasn't the right time, mm-hmm. getting a new squad together. And, you know, we, we didn't want to go out there and get a hiding and learn nothing from it. You know, we wanted just to have a real good competition which uh, we were lucky to do so with the Māori APs. And then, yeah, we went on to play Tonga and it was awesome. Like, I remember the first game at Mount Smarty, like just the crowd, like in the 75th minute when they knew that we had uh, won the match, we were, you know, I hit quite comfortably and then they just sung this um, Thank You Samoan song in the crowd. And I was on the I was on the field crying and I remember just one of the boys there too, um, Ed Fido, a, a winger for the Turbos, and we just hugged each other and just cried. And we're like, this is special, man. Remember this for the rest of our lives. But we still knew that we had a job to do the next week because um, we had to beat Tonga again. Obviously, we're just lucky that we had a pretty big margin that first game because it was, um, you know, it was on, on points. And then we went, went down to Hamilton the next week and we done well against Tonga again. And then we ended up qualifying for the World Cup. I guess that's yeah. a thing that we probably take for granted or I myself do it as... An all-black supporter, first and foremost, is that we see the World Cup as just this event that we have to go and win. Whereas yeah. for nations like Samoa, like Tonga, you know, it's yeah. getting to the World Cups like winning it for these nations. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, for someone like yourself who'd been plugging away at club rugby, and then yeah, yeah to have to to be a part of getting your team to qualify, you know, to play over in France. Yeah, and then to have that reception from the crowd. And that's probably the yeah. coolest thing from those games. Yeah. The, the crowds and the the way that the Pacifica communities 
get around their teams and those who yep. are representing them, you know, going out yep. to bat for them, you know, probably not too dissimilar to what happens with Moana Pacifica. And I guess we yeah. could even touch on your time with Moana Pacifica, bro. Um, yeah, not trying to get too ahead of myself with the questions, but can you talk yeah. us through what transpired for you to go from playing test rugby for Samoa and then you're involved with yeah. the Lions? But in that time, had Moana Pacifica already been sorted before the MPC or did it come as a result of your form in that um, campaign? Yeah. Um, I, so it wasn't, I think it was a couple of weeks after that, the campaign um, as that gave me a call. So this was probably in the MPC preseason when we were getting ready for MPC and as that gave me a call and offering me a spot at, at Moana and asking if I was keen and, he was just um, speaking of how proud he was of our group at the Manusa Moor group that took on Tonga and just saying congratulating us for qualifying for the World Cup. So, yeah, I was quite lucky that um, I was able to find my feet uh, playing in that those international test matches. And then, yeah, I got, I got the call from Azza a couple of weeks after that, um, just asking if I was keen to jump on board. And, yeah, I was straight away... It's like, yeah, bro, real keen. And um, yeah, then went into NPC season and that really helped uh, me prepare leading into super season, which was awesome to get a couple more games for the Lions. I mean, and because how long had it been? Because I know that you made your debut for the Lions back in 2015 and then it's yeah. sort of a, a surreal way in, in which things work and that you're back with yeah. the Lions, you know, six years later yeah. after having that time with the Sevens. Yeah. I mean, like, even in your time, you know, traveling the world, you know, playing in the shortened format, had you ever paid yeah. any mind to coming back and giving 15s a crack and potentially going to somewhere like Japan or France? Like, yeah. did, it, did that ever cross your mind? Um, yeah. Oh, like, it was always in my mind to, if, um, yeah, to give 15s a crack at some point, but I was really fixed on sevens from when I fully committed to sevens. And I think um, what really... My my biggest goal was to play in the Olympics. Wow. So yeah, so in 2016 we failed to do so, losing to um Spain in the final at the Repercharge mm. in Monaco. We lost last last play, um to Spain, and then I was like, oh, you know, I I still I really really want to work hard over the next four years to catch the next next Olympics and and help this make a dream come true for Samoa. You know, being the being an Olympic sport will be the first team to represent Samoa at the Olympic sport. So that was a real, a real dream for me. And that's why I'd hung around in the sevens um for so long just to to get the Olympic dream. And then 2020 came, all got put on hold and I was still after that dream leading up until last year when um I was selected for the Manu 15s. So, um, yeah, as, as I said before, that was probably another reason for me to, to stay ready because um, I was getting ready to go into a sevens camp preparing for uh, the Olympic qualifiers. So, and yeah, and then the opportunity 15s came along and it probably, you know, couldn't come at a perfect time where I couldn't get over to the sevens camp. I had nothing, no contracts, and then it really helped me um, get to where I am now. Like yeah. you said, yeah, fast-forwarding back to the present day, bro, where you're in yeah. the Moana Pacifica environment and you can finally add super rugby player uh, to, to yeah. your rugby resume. Yeah. Again, like I touched on at the, at the beginning of the podcast, 
you know, you guys have had to battle away with all the different sorts of obstacles and distractions. And if I'm speaking honestly, bro, I didn't really give you guys a hope in hell, given what you what you had to deal with and the head start that every other team had, not only from preparing over the off season, but just knowing what it takes to be a rugby player week in, week out. You know, the 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 travel, um, you know, coming to you know, you guys had to build everything from the ground up from when you met, what was it in like December or January? And then even yeah. guys like yourself having to move to Auckland, you know, a lot of super rugby players yeah. are settled in one province for a number of years. So knowing all of that, and I know that you touched on, you know, coming together as a team, but what were some of the goals that you'd set out to do at the start of the season? And then even for you personally, knowing that you had this opportunity to foot it against guys you're probably really familiar with. Yeah. yeah. What What was your goal for this season and even moving forward? Yeah, my goals, Um. yeah, I, I had pretty clear goals coming into to super season. I was just, I really just wanted to come here and, and compete like everyone you know I know that being in a new environment or in, in any sporting environment really you just you could just come here to compete and I really wanted to come here with that positive mindset just to work hard to keep competing and then um I guess I was uh I was say well what you say I was probably struck down uh two months ago where I, I missed out on going to Queenstown yeah so there was um a squad of 35 selected and I was one of the few that that missed out and stayed back in Auckland and we just trained until the boys came back. And um, I guess that probably came from me not being confident in myself. Like I when when I got up here, I was like, oh, sh- shucks, I was a bit struck. Like, um, you know, I was just didn't believe I wasn't confident in myself. I didn't have that self-belief. I just yeah was afraid to make mistakes. So I wasn't really expressing myself the way I wanted to. And, you know, that was happening in our preseason trainings. And then it transferred onto the field when we had a preseason against the Chiefs. I mean, I didn't play so well. And then the next day I, I got the phone call that, you know, very unfortunate to miss out on the, the trip to Queenstown. And um, that was actually really emotional. I was struck down so bad. But then I kind of came back, reflected and just, kind of flip the switch again in my mind like I can either sink or swim here like you know I've got uh, I've got an opportunity to work really hard over these next six weeks while the boys are away where the coaches aren't you know they, they aren't seeing what I'm doing and I'm making those good choices to work hard to put my hand up for a spot to compete and then um yeah it's that 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 was my real mindset at that time I was I didn't you know want to drop my lip and and sulk. So I was, um, I was like, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I just, I felt um, I wasn't good enough at that stage to be taken to Queenstown. And, and that was, you know, just plain and simple. I'm just not a good enough or up to the standard of that level of super rugby to be able to travel with the boys down to Queenstown. So I had lots to work on, especially around my detail, you know, my role, um, sorry, the role of my position. I had lots to work on. So I went away and done that. And then when the boys came back, I was just in a real good space. I was like, nah, start, really start backing yourself now. Have that self-belief. Be confident in what you do and just really back myself in. Yeah, from there, it's it's been it's been awesome lately. I've been able to get game time and obviously got got knocked down in that blues game. But um I'm in a really good space now, which was which has been cool. No, bro, that's a full credit to you because, like you said, yeah. 
what was it only a year ago you were playing club rugby you don't really yeah. have a lot of npc experience but yeah. like you said um it's a credit to all the work that you put in when the coaches aren't want uh aren't watching and when yeah. there's chaos around you that yeah you seem to keep a level head and you know you've yeah. taken you know, all your opportunities by the sounds of it um yeah. with both hands brother and you know obviously i, I wish you best of luck um, with everything moving forward but before i let you go my man um yeah I, I think i've covered everything that i want to to date um, and yeah. no doubt there's, there's still a lot to be um written but i'd like to end my podcast on two segments the first of which is yeah. can you take us through your game day routine please yeah bro um, my game day routine i'm i'm real chilled i try and sleep in as much as i can so um from when when i wake up i just have my breakfast and then uh, spend time with the girls. Um, some Friday games, um, if, it, if it is a Friday game, I'll drop my girls off to school. You know, really my chance to connect with them and that's for them to connect with me too, saying, you know, good luck, Dad. We'll, we'll be there tonight supporting you. So that's real heartwarming for me, knowing that my family is, is right in behind me and that I'll be able to see them at the stadium. So then... I'll um, just go over my book, you know, just relook at our detail that we've gone over through the week and just kind of refreshing the mind. And then I'll look at my goals, um, you know, before I go to sleep at uh, night, the night before game day, I write down my goals of what I want to achieve. So I, I go over them as well. And just um, so it's, you know, stuck in my mind. And then I have a little bit of a, a lie down again, have a stretch and then um grab a coffee. I always grab a coffee with my partner or any of the boys who are around, mm-hmm. have lunch, and then I'll come back and have an afternoon nap. And then from there, I'll shower, um, chuck my kit on, and then over to the stadium for a walkthrough. And from there, pretty much game on, yeah. So I'm, I'm really really chilled with my um, game day prep. I guess having kids too, it kind of changes it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, you've got... You, you got to be selfish, like with yourself and your prep. But then I, I love my girls, man. And I want to hear from them, like, you know, good luck, dad. Because, yeah, it just gives me so much motivation just hearing it from them. No doubt, brother. No <laughs> doubt. No superstitions, though? Nah, nah, nah. The only thing, nah, I, I always chew gum. Like, I'm always chewing gum, like, leading up until, like, actually, yeah. Uh, Heaps of people have seen it in sevens and they've asked me too, bro. So every time um, I'm running out, I'm always chewing gum before the game. I'm chewing in warm-up. And then when we're running out onto the field, I chuck my gum like on the 10-meter line. Yeah, I chuck it on the 10-meter line. Well, yeah, people probably shouldn't know that. But um, yeah, just chewing gum like really calms me. Eh? Like for some reason, I just get real calm from, from chewing and... And then, yeah, I always check it on the 10-meter line. So, uh, sorry to the guys who've had to uh, take gum off their rugby shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone to end on that with? But then 10 in the bin, bro. So, I've just got 10 quick-fire questions for you. And you yeah. just answer with whatever comes to mind first. Sweet, bro. Yeah. All right. Number one, who was your childhood idol? My dad. All at rugby or it doesn't matter? Either or. Oh, probably um, Christian Cullen, i say. Yeah. Deadly. Your dad was probably deadly as well, brother. Um, yeah. Champion lightweight. So who's who's the biggest lightweight you've been around? Like, um, like drinking lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opi <Opie> Belisilma. <laughs> <laughs> Another stream way for you there, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your must do on a day off? Ooh, 
Um, school drop-offs, school drop-offs and pickups. Yeah. Great, great dad. Um, yeah. Worst coaches pet you've been around. Oh. <laughs> hey, Levi Almoa. <laughs> Bro, he's in some form at the moment, though. Yeah. Must be he's doing something unreal. right. He's unreal, man. Nah, he's he's awesome, bro. Real athlete. Um, and you see, he's just shredded off all that weight. Eh? I don't know. He, I don't know. He was so big back in when he was playing blues and Tasman and that. Mm-hmm. And now he's just gone on a real good diet. I think he's on the um carnivore diet, or maybe yeah. I think he's on. Oh no, or maybe keto. What's the diet with um no carbs, no carbs, yeah, high yeah, fat keto? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. He's just shredded, and man, he's he's awesome. Being one of our best players this season, yeah, bro. Hundred. I just, yeah. I, I, I pray for anyone that has to tackle him or whoever's channel yeah. he's going down. Yeah, um, yeah. Favorite cheat meal. Favorite cheat meal. Um, KFC. Oh, yeah? or, or donuts. I love, I love donuts. Uh, KFC. I always get a um, ultimate zinger burger with eight wicked wings, coleslaw, large fries, and cake zero. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Precisely yeah. to the T. Cheapest teammate. Cheapest teammate, sharks. Oh. Jimmy Tawa the Fijian. You know Jim the Brass. Yeah, yeah, you know Jimmy. Yeah, very that guy, man. Oh, <laughs> what's Pocket say? Uh, second dream. So, if you weren't doing what you're currently doing, you know, playing rugby for a living, if you could do anything, what would you be doing? Yeah. Um. Right now, I'd be a school teacher. Yeah, it was. I've, I always wanted to be a policeman, but um, working at a primary school, um, I grew my love for being around kids and helping kids, teaching kids. So, yeah, being a school teacher. Nice brother. Always giving back. Uh, biggest grub you've played with or against? Biggest grub I've played with or against? Uh, if you probably Sherry, eh? Sheridan Rangihuna. Oh, that guy's a grub, right? <laughs> It's all it's all talk, no action. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I have to say, I've been a witness to um to a lot of his chat. Uh, maybe not yeah. so much the follow through. Well, yeah. me, me yeah. for starters, bro. I stay clear of it. Um, yeah. best piece of advice. Hard work beats talent. Yeah. Short and sharp. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you just got to finish the sentence for me, brother. Saturdays yeah. are for. The girls for me. <laughs> Far out. Right. I'm, I'm surrounded by three girls, man. So, yo. Majority <laughs> rules, eh? Well, that brings this podcast to a wrap, my man. I just want to say yeah. a big thank you once again for taking some time out to talk to me. Best yeah. of luck for the rest of the season. And, um, yeah, it seems like the head's in the, in the right place as well. So, yeah. fingers crossed yeah. we see you back on the field yeah. sooner rather than later. Nah, thanks heaps for having me, bro, and been awesome sharing too, bro. Awesome questions, and I've loved being able to share with you the experience I've had as a rugby player so far. Legend, Massey. I'll catch you later. Cheers, brother. My man. All right, cheers, brother. Thanks, bro.